You're listening to the fifth episode of the Scrubbing Unhappy podcast, where we remind you how to put one foot in front of the other in the moments when life serves you lemons. Say yes to happiness and take on even the most difficult days and still feel good while drinking your lemonade. If you didn't hear my voice before, I am Zuzana Mukmai and I'm a coach, mentor, journalist, wife, mother and former pessimist who turned into believing that every challenge or setback can be a gift. I'm a woman who wants to be happy and I'm dedicated to helping you feel happy too, even when life is like a roller coaster. In today's episode, I'm talking to Anissa from Expat Panda, a lifelong international teacher committed to helping women with weak passwords to move abroad and travel the world. Hi, Anissa. I'm so excited to finally meet you. And I am so excited that you invite, uh, that you accepted the invitation to the show. I am so happy to be here. And it's so wonderful to be able to connect with you and to be able to contribute to your podcast. So thank you for having me. You are most welcome and let's uh, start head on. So you have the South African passport, you you have the South Asian heritage and you have your teacher's license. Right now <laughs> you are living in your fifth country in Qatar. So can yes. you tell us how this all this adventure started and why did you choose to focus on helping women with big passports to move abroad? Yeah, so um, basically, when I first moved abroad in 2011, there wasn't a lot of information for people who wanted to move abroad. And remember, this is like pre-Instagram, you know, blogs were really more like people's diaries of their lives. It wasn't really about providing information to people. So I felt when I first moved abroad that I was mostly fumbling in the dark. And any information that I did find about people moving abroad was really aimed at Americans or people from the UK. um, And it was really specific information to them. And so when I moved to South Korea at first, I dabbled with the idea of, you know, starting something and sharing my experiences. But I was really nervous and I was really hesitant. And I guess I didn't have that kind of self-confidence at that point in my life to put my life out there. And remember, you know, I was 21 at that time. So it was really kind of fresh off the boat, so to speak. But then when I moved to the Middle East in 2016, I, I made the idea a reality. I started a blog. I started the Instagram And I started sharing information specific to people who look like me or who have um, passports from African countries and really emphasizing that anyone can move abroad. You just have to find the right opportunity for you and you have to put yourself in the right kind of mindset. Um, And since I started the blog and I started the social media I've connected with a lot of people, a lot of women from a lot of different countries like yourself, which is so awesome. And it's really just been a very fulfilling and meaningful journey so far for me. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing. And that's one of the things I love about social media is connecting to other people. Without Instagram, we would have never met. And Exactly. Actually, I I saw um, as I was going through your website and the blog, and I saw something that caught my attention. And that's what you say that you identify yourself as expat as opposed to the immigrant. 
So I was curious like to chat a bit more about this because it's been something I have been also thinking about like how to identify myself and I think I'm the opposite. I don't like saying that I'm the expert. So I was curious why did you choose to identify yourself as an expat? And it, if it has something to do of you being a female African teacher, uh, when it comes to the thinking that usually expat, the word expat is connected uh, with people from the countries of global north, let's say, uh, not with the countries of global south. So I was just curious about it and how was your reasoning and your pros and cons in this? I think it wasn't this like stringent thinking process that people always seem to associate with like, oh, how did you come up with the name for your blog? Um, I didn't really put a lot of thought into it, but I will say that like the words immigrant and the words expat can and often are used interchangeably, but at the same time, they can and often have very different connotations to their meanings. Um, and historically, I think the word immigrant has been associated with people who move to other countries in the hope of changing their citizenship. And those people have traditionally looked a certain way and come from certain places. Um, and in most cases, as you pointed out, they're not from the global north and they're not white. So by using the term expat, I feel like I can gain some control over taking back a term like that, that has been traditionally used for people from the global north, for white people, um, for people coming from certain places and looking a certain way, but myself not fitting into that mold. So I can take control of that narrative and I can give myself any name that I want to. Um, and if I want to call myself an expat, that's great. It doesn't mean I need to look a certain way or fit into a certain stereotype. In fact, I'm hoping that we can change those stereotypes that do exist. Mm. And I think, you know, the whole idea of people moving um, because they want a different citizenship or they want to change um, their quality of life. I mean, I totally support that as well. And it's not my my main goal, but um, I think both terms should be used free of judgment and whatever people choose to identify themselves I respect that and I hope that we can foster that kind of respect by using both terms with respect and this was exactly the reason why I ask and I love that you are saying that you can choose whatever term you want to be using you are comfortable using because we don't want certain terms to be associated with certain cultures, certain skin colors. And I think that's mm -hmm. exactly the same reason why I don't using uh, expat for myself, because it's from the other uh, way around. Like uh, mm -hmm. I, I am yeah. white and usually the term expat is uh, associated with white people living in Africa. Like when I talk about the continent I live on and I didn't like that. So I think we come from the, the same same way of thinking and doing it in our own way and I am and why I ask this question is because it's uh, you we, we can see how the inequalities are showing like just mm -hmm. in terms like when a white person is in Africa it's an expat but when um, an African is in Europe is an immigrant right and the connotation yes. is not positive with the word immigrant uh, there in Europe while being expert in Africa, it's considered positive. So, so I, I love it and I completely agree with you that like 
we can choose whatever we want and just try to destroy the stereotypes in our own ways. Exactly, exactly. And Anissa, you have been living, uh, now you said, more uh, more than 10 years abroad, maybe 12, right? You said uh, 2011. It's been a while. (laughs) Yeah, so um, actually what I wanted to ask you in your experience, what are the biggest fears uh, women are facing when moving abroad? That's an interesting question. And I think it comes down to each person and where they come from and their, you know, cultural perspectives and their outlook on life. But I think there is always a fear about losing oneself, losing who you are. Um, When you are taken out of your familiar environment, are you still the same person? When you are put in a new environment, to what extent do you assimilate? Do you take on aspects of the culture you now exist within without losing a part of what made you who you are? There's always this loss of, always a fear about the loss of self. Um, And that's, I think, something that every person who moves away from their familiar environment struggles with the concept of to what extent am I allowed to change without losing the fundamentals of who I am? And what effect does that have? You know, when we move abroad um, and we go back to perhaps visit family, visit friends, there is always that disconnect because your experiences are so vastly different to the people that have been essentially left behind. And it's somewhat sad, but it's also somewhat liberating to know that even though you may have different experiences, you can still connect with the people you love. But in some instances, you realize like beyond the fact that I grew up down the road from this person, we really don't have anything, you know, left in common. So I think the fear of losing oneself and and losing everything that's familiar to us, that is a common fear that a lot of women, a lot of people perhaps could share. And I don't think it really matters where you're from. You know, that's just something that I've experienced. And it takes a long time to walk that line between both extremes of not losing yourself completely, but also trying new things and trying to grow into a new person based on the experiences that you have. I think it's kind of a lifelong journey. And even though it is a fear and it is a huge fear at first, you kind of grow into it and you get comfortable with yourself the longer that you are abroad, in my experience anyway. Mm. And you actually just answered my next question because I was about to ask you, how did you deal with it? Like with this kind of fear of losing yourself, but also growing into the new, uh, new, better perhaps person. So you mm-hmm. mentioned that it's kind of a lifelong journey. Um, does yeah. something else comes to your mind when it comes to how to deal with this, how to approach this fear of not losing our old identity, but also the desire to create a new one. I think self-support is so important and it's so underrated for women um, who move. I feel like when men move abroad, they're celebrated, they're seen as, you know, um, pioneers, they're seen as ambitious, whatever. But when women move abroad, it's kind of like, oh, you know, Are you sure this is the right move for you? How will you 
function without friends and family it's not really celebrated it's more really a perhaps cause for concern but if you have self support and if you believe in yourself and if you stay true to the purpose that is propelling you to move you can see yourself through any situation you can support yourself through that shift between perhaps shedding your old skin and stepping into a new person without losing completely who you are but embracing as well all the changes that you you know have come to experience so i think self support and self motivation and just being true to yourself is the most important thing it's not easy it takes a long time and it's filled with moments of doubt and uncertainty but the more you try and the more you work towards it i do believe that it can be an extremely fulfilling thing for women to have yeah i i i agree that you said it's simple but it's also difficult so um and i completely can relate to what you were saying that it's um you do it step by step you learn you grow and that's what i always say that i feel the real progress in uh, anything is two steps forward one step back yes. and i think often uh, we have this kind of desire to be perfect to uh, to prove that we have uh, done the right choice moving abroad and when we experience this one step back like that's when all the judgment all the se- self doubt comes in but um i want to just acknowledge that it's completely normal that i believe that all of us experience this kind of two steps forward one step back and that's part of the journey and it's okay yes definitely i i like that you put it that way and i think also women have been held to a higher standard of perfection than men historically mm. um and that still continues although differently today and women ourselves we hold ourselves to a very rigid standard of perfection and we need to give ourselves grace it's okay to fail it's okay to make mistakes it doesn't make you a worse person it means that you're growing from these failures from these mistakes so we as women also have to allow ourselves to go through the negative emotions and process them as part of our growth mm and uh when it comes to already living abroad um and you have lots of experience with that with five countries um what are the biggest challenges once living abroad and maybe especially if you live abroad and have a partner from different culture maybe from that country what are the biggest challenges there and should we um kind of approach it uh in advance somehow or how to prepare for it because that's i think when we move in things are new things are exciting but then when it's two years three years you mm-hmm. really have your life there it starts to be different i think communication is so important right from the outset to be open about what the future goals are um and to be open about how flexible each person is about their goals because for example you might feel that you want to leave this place in 3 years the other person might feel like oh i have a good 8 to 10 years left in this place and it's important to establish like well if this gets to a certain point like what could happen what are the scenarios that we face of course things can change you never know what how circumstances can go but it's important to communicate all of those things and be open and upfront right from the get go 
And then to just keep communicating, you know, to keep letting the other person know how you feel, how how are the state of things. Because as time goes on, circumstances change, things evolve, you grow, the other person grows, you grow together, you grow apart, like to just keep communicating and be open with the other person. So one day you don't wake up and like, oh, I'm done with this. And the other person's just like, wait, what? Like, where did this come from? So communication, I think, is just so key. And also to understand and acknowledge that you're different from each other and that you may not hold the same things as important. So the other person might think that salary and and professional success is extremely important, whereas the other partner might feel like, well, my relationship with myself, my relationship with my friends and family, that's most important. So to understand that and to embrace it and to accept it and just keep communicating about how all of those things play a role in your relationship. And I often uh, say that it's really, when it comes to communications about these things, we really have to spell it out loudly. That often we mm-hmm. kind of suppose that it's obvious that I want to live in this country three years. It's obvious that uh, the salary is the important indicator where I'm moving next, right? And we kind of expect that our partner is knowing it, but when we actually never said it, then we can be surprised one day. Um, We have to be so explicit. We have to spell it out. I 100% agree with you. There's no such thing as being over obvious, like be over obvious and over over obvious, you know. So there's really no room for confusion, especially if you're working in a relationship with um you know, perhaps different cultures, different languages, different backgrounds, different religions, like there's nothing can be taken for granted. Nothing is obvious. You have to spell it out and spell it out again. And that's the hard thing. And that's why a lot of intercultural relationships don't work out because we're not willing to have those difficult conversations. It's kind of like, oh, she should know. He should know. How can he not see it? But you can't expect your partner to be a mind reader, especially when there's so many other obstacles preventing that. And I'm laughing the way you said uh, that you shouldn't expect your partner to be a mind reader because once um, it was a long time ago, we had some argument with my husband and he sent me uh, this video on WhatsApp and it was two lions and he says, how do you expect me to be a mind reader, right? So, and I love how you say we should be over, over ob- uh, obvious in saying what yeah. we are expecting, what we want, because even if we expect something to that the other person knows it, often it doesn't. So over, over, over obvious, that's maybe we can be <laughs> almost sure that finally maybe the message landed. <laughs> Yeah. And at the end of the day, you don't, you don't think, oh, maybe I should have, you know, like I was clear and then you can deal with the consequences of whatever the decision is, but don't leave anything to chance and be confused. Hmm. And let's talk about community for a bit, because I think it's so important topic, which is often one of the biggest challenges for expats, people living Mm -hmm. abroad. And um, I Right now, myself and also I have lots of women around me who live in a country. They are married to a to a like a man who comes from the pan, uh, a country, mm-hmm. and they are not part of that kind of 
typical expat community, if we can say something like that, that you are not part of the expat life. And that's when it becomes really difficult, I think, to create the community. So I was curious about your experience, like if you are part of the kind of expat community or uh, if you don't see uh, yourself as part of it or it's some kind of mixture. And if you have some tips how to create community, even when it's really hard. I think where I live plays a huge role in this concept of community. So to give you some context, um, I'm currently living in Qatar, in Doha, and here we have an excessive amount of multiculturalism. The You know, most of the population here in Qatar, like let's say 80%, it's made up of people who are not from here. So we have this huge portion of the population that's essentially not local and will never be local because there's no path to citizenship. So that's the first thing to to be cognizant of. So within that idea of expat community, there isn't just one in a place like this where 80% of the population is an expat. There's just so many different communities. There's options to kind of connect with people from your church, from your temple, people from your country, people who speak your language, not necessarily from your country. So it's all about creating a safe space for you. And that can be a huge group of friends with people who look like you, who are from a place where you are, or it could be completely different people with whom you have something in common. Perhaps you play tennis together, perhaps you play basketball. So I think the most important thing is to just put yourself out there and be open to meeting people. And it doesn't have to be people with whom you think you will have something in common or who look like you, who speak your language as a native tongue, but just being open to connecting with all sorts of people and seeing with whom you make those connections. If I look at my friend circle, I wouldn't say I really have all my friends who look like me or come from the same place as me or that we have anything even in common. But what we have bonded over is the shared experience of being a woman living abroad in this particular country. So, you know, to just put yourself out there and join different things and see what kind of connections you can form and then from there, make the decisions that are best for you. We don't click with everyone. We click with certain people and, you know, just kind of move forward in that direction. But I will say that the, the Gulf countries, UAE, Qatar, Oman, Bahrain, Kuwait, it's very different to being in, for example, if I think of an expat community in South Africa, that would be on a much smaller scale. You'd most likely know most of the members of that community. Whereas here, it's just like, an explosion of different people from all over the globe. So yeah, it is a bit different. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree. It's really different uh, based on the country. Like, for example, here in Zambia, the expat community is not very big because um, Zambia is peaceful, uh, quite stable country. And uh, most of the people who live here, even if they are foreigners, they live here like me. So I found it really difficult to connect because it seems people already created their own lives, their circle of friends, and they are not that maybe adventurous or flexible to get 
new people in the circle. And also what I keep seeing is like lots of circles, like based on the nationality. So we have, uh-huh, yeah. of course, we have the South African circles, then we have the Peruvians, um, we have the Americans and like me being not part of any of those countries, it's been a bit tricky uh for me to find like really reliable friends. But I like what you said that um maybe you can connect with people over something you wouldn't even expect, that it's not the same country or the same language or the same skin color, those kind of mm-hmm. obvious things you would think first. But maybe it can be something entirely different, like a hobby or, as you mentioned, being a woman uh, who lives abroad in the Middle East, right? So uh, so I like that. And um my takeaway from there is that really we need to think out of the box. Yeah, that's so true. That's that's 100% true. And kind of lean into any and all interactions because you really never know when you could meet someone and click. It's kind of like when we talk about finding a romantic partner, it's like, oh, you could meet your partner on the plane. You could meet your partner in the library. Well, you could also meet a friend on the plane. You could also meet a friend in the library. So when you start chatting to somebody, take their number, follow up you know, arrange to meet for tea. Like you never know where it could go. When I look at my own friendships, a lot of them have evolved from very unexpected places. I met one of my good friends in the bank, the least interesting place in the world. So you really never know when you could form a connection with someone. Mm, I completely agree. And I remember, uh, I don't remember the name of the lady who said it, but I remember it was a TED talk. And she said how important it is to go out of our comfort zone when we uh, meet friends. And she said, if you are in some meeting or some event, look around and pick the least interesting person, the one which like you feel like you would never want to talk to him or her and go and talk to him and her. And I love this because it's like we always tend to kind of go to similar people we are and it can be super interesting and eye-opening when we go to somebody from completely different context with completely different background. Yeah, that that's exactly it. Like you really never know who you will click with. It could be someone totally unexpected. And we always say that about a romantic partner, but why is that not the same being said for meeting a friend? Like that's an equally important and integral part of of life and human mm-hmm. connection. Mm-hmm. And this is actually, I uh, believe, a good bridge to the next question. I have seen like you have been talking about safety when traveling, but what I wanted to I wanted to take it uh, more to the context safety uh, or safety nets when living abroad, especially as a woman living abroad. Uh, alone or with a partner from that country Uh, so I was uh, curious what you have to say about this Uh, like should we be creating safety nets how we should be doing it what is important when it comes uh, to safety for us as women especially yeah I would say also when we are in a relationship or even have kids and live abroad maybe without anybody so what's your take on this that is really subjective based on the person, but also based on the person's circumstances. Like for myself, I don't have children, so I could not possibly speak for a person who has one or multiple children. But I do think what is important, although this might be less or more difficult depending on people's circumstances, is to really establish yourself as an individual first. 
not just as a wife or as a mother or as a teacher or, you know, as a colleague, but to establish yourself and build your life to a point where you feel happy about just being you outside of fulfilling any other role. And for each person that can look very different because the concept of fulfillment looks different to different people. So for me, for example, that means, oh, I reach a certain level in my career or for another person that can mean, okay, I reach a certain milestone with my kids. So it's really just about focusing and honing in on what's important to you and working towards that um, and creating the most meaningful and fulfilling experience for yourself beyond just where you are based or what is around you, what role you could play in relation to other people. Because at the end of the day, you only have yourself to rely on and you never know what the future is going to hold. So you have to look out for yourself. Um, and, you know, I think that's just the most important thing is to build a life that you feel proud of and that you feel happy with. And at the end of the day, you can go to sleep at night feeling good about yourself, you know? Mm. And yeah, I, 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 this is completely true. And I think we can't repeat it enough that it's so important to create our life as an individual, not to depend on one role, be it mother, wife, um, a teacher or whatever, but mm -hmm. like to really like, we are not just one role in our life. And we, I believe we won't be never truly happy if we don't experience all the roles we are having in life but I know so many cases of women who move for love and then they find lots of challenges with that because they forgot about this aspect like they realize they hate the country they realize that they're alone they are asking yeah. themselves like what the hell I am doing here like I have no life so I think this is super important Uh, to to kind of consider this and uh, yeah, you know actually when I moved to Qatar sorry I just wanted to share like when I moved to Qatar we actually moved because of my husband's job because of his career growth and when I first came here the first six seven months I was unemployed and you know it was really twice as hard because that was when COVID hit And everything was shut down. And my husband and I were just kind of confined to our house. And like, we enjoy each other's company. But there's a limit, you know, to two people who historically have had very independent lives. So I definitely hit that point where I was like, what on earth am I doing here? Like, what is going to bring meaning and fulfillment to my life? So I'm not dependent on this other person who has a whole life outside of me. Um, for me, that meant I needed to go back to work and I did and I'm quite happy with that decision. But for other people in that situation, it can mean different things. So you, you just have to find out what that means for you to be able to create a meaningful life. And I'm so glad that you shared this, actually, because um, I wanted to say the point is not to be always prepared, always be experiencing all the roles but mm -hmm. be able to kind of uh, experience those terrible moments, but then go to action and do something about it. Not to stay in there, like uh, just feeling miserable 
and not doing anything about it. So I just wanted to acknowledge that we all who live abroad, we will experience these moments when we are doubting if we are doing the uh, right decision or if we live in the right country or if we will live here forever. I just want to say that I think it's completely normal to experience those moments. But what is important is like how we deal with it, what we do after. Like maybe we can uh, feel down for a couple of days um, but then we need to go to the action. That's what I believe. Yeah, I think just the hard part is like for some people, it's like, what what does that look like? What action is going to help me? You know, so that's really the hard part. And of course, it depends on the person and each person is different. But just having that mindset that you are not worthless, that you deserve to have a happy and fulfilling life, whatever that looks like for you, I think that's also important. The mm. mindset is so key. Yeah. And yeah, don't get me wrong. Like I completely agree. It's so hard. It can be so, so hard. Like for me, for example, this January, it's, it's really hard. And I was just, um, on the phone with my friend who is also from Czech Republic. She lives in Italy and somehow we have very similar challenges. Even Italy, Zambia, very, very yeah. different, but both of us living abroad, similar challenges. And it's so hard. Like sometimes we're like, why did I get into this? Right. It's so hard. You have no community around uh, mm -hmm. your uh, families uh, thousands of miles away it's hard yes but I think then it comes to the mindset you mentioned and I think we already have it inside just the fact that we moved abroad we did that step it shows that we are strong enough to overcome even these challenges yeah that's so true and sometimes we forget that we forget that we took the leap we made you know, this monumental life change that a huge chunk of the world would not be able to do, that means that we can do other things. We're strong enough to do other things and we shouldn't mm -hmm. let our current circumstances define us forever. And talking about hard things in life, because this podcast is about real life, sharing what is hard and showing that it's normal, that uh, life is hard, that nothing is perfect. Uh, I wanted to ask you, what's hard for you uh, personally right now? And it can be anywhere, work, relationship, life, generally. What's hard for you right now? What's really hard for me right now is that the place that I work at, um, it's not the same place that I started working at. And I'll clarify that for you. So when I started working at the school where I'm currently working, we had a totally different um, management team, which meant that the school had a very different environment. International teaching is very transient, meaning that people tend to come and go quite often. Um, so as things happened, that whole team eventually left and now we're under a completely new management team. And it's really hard to see people who you respect and enjoy working with, you know, leave. And then also to start afresh with new people who may not understand the philosophies and the procedures that were put in place. So right now, you know, work is a bit challenging, navigating those circumstances and, yeah, just trying to find the joy and find the balance in a place that was a certain way, but now is completely different. Um, so yeah, that's that's where I am right now, just trying to yeah find the joy in teaching my students, even though other things in the school are really not 
making me happy. <laughs> and yeah, thank you for sharing that. And why am I asking this question? I usually ask this question to all the guests is actually to to show that every one of us is dealing with something at the given point. And I think um, it would have brought up much more kindness in the world if we were aware of this, that someone's life can look amazing on in, on Instagram, like the places they travel, the amazing relationship they have, the way they are productive. It's all amazing. But that's why I'm asking this question, just to show that we all deal with something. And uh, in some way, it's, it's hard for us. So thank you for sharing sharing welcome and that brings me to the next question i ask everybody so we can inspire ourselves um what lifts you up when you're down do you have some secret trick or something which always uh, improves your mood which makes you better when you feel down when you feel like you just want to lie in the bed and watch netflix and eat chocolates I think for me, when I feel down, it's important for me to have that feeling and to sit in it and process it. Like, it's okay for me to feel sad. It's okay for me to feel lonely. It's okay for me to feel unhappy right now. This emotion does not define me, but I need to process this so that I can move on from it. So for me, it's not like there's something that I do that immediately lifts me up, but it's just the fact that this is normal. It's a part of living abroad. I have to feel this and let it go, you know. So for me, that's the first step. And then also important to kind of do things that I enjoy doing. I love reading. I love exploring places. I love eating out. So, you know, just finding joy in those small things to kind of lift my spirits up after I've had a bad day or I've had a long week or things have not gone the way I plan to because what goes the way you plan you know so yeah just finding joy in the things that I like doing and processing and embracing the fact that hard times sadness isolation that's just a normal part of living abroad living away from your support systems Um, especially when you've been an expat for a long time you know most of my friends live in other countries that's just a fact of my life. Um, and it's not always possible with time differences and and whatnot to kind of talk to someone or get that immediate response when I feel down. So I have to just process that on my own and embrace it, you know. And mm-hmm. sometimes we think like being sad, feeling lonely, those are bad things, but they are normal things. And it doesn't really mean that you are defined by those emotions and i i love that you said that you are not defined uh by the emotion because i think lots of us when we are experienced the emotion when we are sad missing our family we start uh this kind of thinking like that maybe it was not the right choice maybe we are not good enough to overcome this and we start all this feeling and i like the way you approach it somehow pragmatically that this is part of my life this is normal uh let me sit with it but then let me go and do something which uh, i enjoy doing uh, let me enjoy eating out or reading uh, so i think that's important it's not like to experience the emotion but not to stay with it like for like 
too long, like I, I mean days or weeks, then we are talking about something else, right? So, but I think it's also hard to get to that point. Like when I first moved abroad to South Korea, I cried every day. Like I was really miserable. I questioned my decision, you know, a lot. But as time goes by and you start to develop that self-belief and that self-motivation, you realize like this is not going to break me. I have to understand that these emotions are part of the journey and embrace them. Like, but it is hard. Like I'm not saying, oh, you just have to get on with it. Like I remember the the early years, it was really hard. And I think the first six to eight months that I lived in South Korea, I definitely was very, very sad every single day. And I was like, why on earth am I here? I can't understand anyone. I can't read anything. Everybody looks different. People are touching my hair. Like it was just everything just set me off, you know. But as you go through life and as you get older, I think you you kind of accept that negative things, negative emotions, bad circumstances they're all just part of the experience and you you learn to pick yourself up and move on mm. and if there was one thing you would want the amazing women who are listening to this podcast to do right now after this episode what uh, what would you want it to be <laughs> that's a really interesting question I think I want women to find joy within themselves and that can look different for everyone. Um, whether you live abroad, whether you live with your family, whether you, you know, live with friends, but just to enjoy whatever phase you are in of your life right now. And if it's not the phase that you want to be in for a long time, that's okay. Just figure out what is the next step and find joy and meaning in wherever you are right now in your life, you know, whether that means changing your job or looking for new opportunities or taking up a new hobby or cooking a new food, like that can look very different for everyone. But finding joy in things, it's very important and it keeps us going and it prevents us from spiraling into this, you know, abyss of self-doubt and negative emotions. So, yeah, I would just love for women to take a moment for themselves and do something that brings them joy, not their partners, not their kids, not the cat, but just them. Mm. Yeah. Amazing advice for the end, because in the end, it's just us we can rely on 100% all the time. Mm -hmm. So it's super important. And thank you so much, Anissa, for being here. Um, it was super interesting to chat. Um, and um, you have had lots of experiences. You share it on your blog. You mentioned your Instagram. So when... Uh, people who are listening and who want to check what you, what you are up to, where they can find you. Yeah, so my blog is um, expatpanda.com and my Instagram is just expatpanda. So please connect with me. Let's talk. Let's, you know, create this community of strong, fierce women out there who are going to take over the world together. Yeah, and the links, it will be in the show notes so you can find Anissa. And once again, thank you so much for being here. It was my pleasure.
I hope you really enjoyed this conversation with Anissa. We chatted about the life abroad and the challenges it brings. What stood out for me is um, talking about the fear of losing ourselves when moving abroad. The fear of losing our old culture and not being able to be completely immersed in the new culture. Anissa believes that this is a lifelong journey and I completely agree. It's looking more like two steps forward, one step back. And it's okay. It's so important to establish ourselves as individuals in the country we live in because we cannot live fulfilling and joyful life when we are just in one role, the role of mother, wife, or somebody employed. So if you can do one thing today after listening to the conversation, do something you really enjoy as Anissa advised you. And until next time, let's say together, screw being unhappy. Let's go and let's do it. <laughs> <laughs>